Welcome to the Small Business Podcast. We bring you weekly information, practical skills, and mentorship from industry professionals. This podcast is powered by T, an initiative that has directly impacted over 50,000 plus small businesses nationwide. This podcast is for small business owners who want to start, run, and grow their business. Follow us on all our social media platforms. Hashtag join us for T. Every Wednesday is a new podcast. What's up, guys? Um, thank you so much for joining us for episode 21, man. It's almost a full season of the Small Business Podcast. And um, I'm so excited for the guest I have in studio, you know, a, trailbra- a trailblazer, um, someone I've met a few times, someone I've, who I've had the pleasure of following a story, whether it's written about in Startup Magazine to, you know, various platforms across the board, who's really just a seasoned, I think most importantly, a seasoned entrepreneur who's been able to grow and evolve his, his, grow and evolve his business in various sectors. Um, I've got the founder of Gazata, um, Itumeleng Mapatlanyana, um, you know, and, and Gazata is a fintech company and we'll just be unpacking his entrepreneurial journey, but also what this new venture is. And to talk about a little bit about um, Zaka.com as well, you know, I was reading up, uh, <laughs> I was doing a bit of research on this man. And, and just to give you just a one-liner, so Gazata is um, the first peer-to-peer online lending platform in the SEDEC. Idu, man. How are you doing, brother? I'm great to you, man. Great I'm to good, you. Man. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, you're glowing. <laughs> yeah? I try to. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes people say that, uh, you know, being stressless makes one grow, uh, glow. And sometimes being stressless means having a lot of money. Yeah, not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, bro, thank you so much. I think by way of introduction, um, tell us a bit about yourself. I think from the vantage point of where you come from. And when the entrepreneurial bug first bit you? Okay, man. Um, As you introduced me, Itumele Mpatlanyana, I come from a small township called Embalente in Pumalanga. Um, I think I've always been, or I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit in me. I mean, I remember my first business when I was a youngster in high school. I used to sell escort products, you know, Amarashens, Palonzi. Yeah, I used to sell those to my neighbors and my friends, parents, and all of that. And by grade 12, I think I started doing micro lending, and I didn't really understand it at the time. But I used to use the money that I made from selling those uh, cold products to the same customers again I used to lend money to. So that, uh, that entrepreneurial spirit grew into me until varsity. And the university, I did um, student accommodation. Oh, wow, okay. So what I did there is I used to sign the lease agreements in my name. Oh. Buy furniture at a second-hand shop, put them in those flats, target first-year students who don't have furniture. They can just move in into my flats with clothing and blankets, and that's it. Fully furnished, fridge, study desk, um, beds, everything, and then I used to charge per person. So I used to make my money, give the landlord his, his cut. <laughs> <laughs> I have my cut, and that went well for a couple of years until I landed the contract from uh, one of the bursary giving institutions, where all their first year students used to come through me to get accommodation. So this entrepreneur thing, man, or the hustling thing, comes way back. Yeah. So I mean. So here you are, you're in varsity, you sort of transcend from selling food packs, 
you know, running the student accommodation, playing the role of an aggregator, right? Yeah. Do you stop that to go get a job? Or do you sort of sit there and think to yourself in varsity, maybe this qualification is good, but I'm full-on entrepreneur. <laughs> hey, man, this is actually not so great for my CV. I've only <laughs> been employed three times in my life. One year, one year, one year, that's it. Sure. I remember last year in varsity, I used to work as a bank teller. I lasted only 12 months. I went to work for a government institution. I lasted 12 months. And I went to work for a property business and also lasted 12 months. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think it. for me, you know, you, know, you, know, the, you know, when I was growing up, right, I'm sure you were also exposed to this, that our parents and neighbor and the community would always tell us that if you get a job, government job, hold on to it. Right. Yeah. And here and I think and I think that's the thing about the entrepreneurial bug. Right. It doesn't matter what space you are in. If yeah. you if it's bit you. You doesn't matter where you are employed. You are going to answer that call, yeah. right? And um, but now, when you when you start to now pursue you, your entrepreneurial dreams, what's the support like at home? Did you get support? Did they understand it? Because you know, it's yeah. better having a job sometimes than being a black being child business. coming from a township. You just been through varsity. They've spent all that money on you. <clears throat> they expect you to get quite a job. Yeah. Um, many times my mom used to say, get a job so that you can have a pension fund. Yes, yes. And in my head, I, you know, I didn't talk back to her, but in my head I would tell myself, is like, mom, do you know that these pension companies were started by someone mm. somewhere? <laughs> there was that one individual that said, I'm going to start a pension company. So I did not believe in, in getting a job purely because I needed a comfortable pension. Yeah. Um, and I believed that my time can, can be used more productively if really out there and doing my own thing. Now, you, you know, uh, one of the things uh, I think I picked up from Dr. Marcus Surikova, um, I think is one of the, I think the managing director, the founder of Regenesis. I think it said something very interesting to say that we start businesses according to the level of our exposure or experience. Is, is, what was the driver? Because, you know, getting into the student accommodation space, and I know it was long ago, but yeah. it's such a niche market, but also to the vantage point of, um, subletting to other people. What yes. exposed you to that? Was it you being a student? Did you read up about it? And it it was about me being a student because when I first got to <coughs> Pretoria, because I went to Tex, <coughs> coming from a small township in Malenta, you get to a big city like Pretoria, you don't know anyone, you don't have furniture, you have your last money that you just use to take a taxi. So where do you go? You know. Mm. And after a couple of months, luckily I managed to settle down. After a couple of months, I thought, hey man, this could be a business because there's so many kids out there that are like me, get dropped off by a taxi and they don't know where to go. They need sort of, sort of like a big brother to show them around. I even bought my first car with that money, a 1979 Beetle. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> which I also used to transport these first-year students around. I used to pick them up from a taxi rank and then take them to the flat and all of that, show them around where the school is. So I saw a gap because I experienced that hardship myself. Yeah. 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 Now, <clears throat> now, just give me an idea, right? So here you are, you're starting this entrepreneurial venture. What were some of the sort of 
entrepreneurial myths you had that were dispelled. Because oftentimes when we look at entrepreneurship, we sort of think, it's maybe it's glamorous, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And then you get in, then you realize, hey, it's something else. <laughs> Did you have any of those preconceived thoughts? It's like this. And then when you got in, you got the shock of your life and had to readjust. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I mean, the word entrepreneurship itself sounds glamorous for, for, for someone that's outside entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah. They think being your own boss and calling your own shots is the status. No, it's not. Um, it, it takes a lot of tears, number one. Before the hard work kicks in, it takes a lot of tears. It takes a lot of hard work, obviously. And coming from that background, you don't have capital to start all these business ideas that you have. It means now you have to start from the bottom. You know, you have to sacrifice something for you to make that first move. Now, just take me through the process of, you know, your idea generation, right? Being able to move um, you know, a product from ideation to an actual product? Because, I mean, you did you did very well, I guess, in the student accommodation. You did well in, in the FMCG space. Yeah. You know, you've now started up um, gazata.com. Yeah. Um, how do you take yourself, because I would imagine someone as creative as you, 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 you get all these amazing ideas. How do you sort of nitpick at the one you sort of feel, this is the one I'm going to put my energy, my resources behind? Yeah, for me, it's just the gut instinct, man. It's just the gut instinct. When I start something, if I feel it in my guts, then first point is to put it on paper. Put it in a visual format. Visualize it. This is this is what I want to do. This is where I want to see it grow. And once you have it visually on paper, you start sharing it with your peers, family, friends, and say, hey, what do you think of this? If five out of ten people see the vision that you see then it's a winner because mm. it's it, it means it's not just a crazy idea in your head some other people are able to foresee the potential in it yeah now <clears throat> just tell us a bit about gazata oh yes gazata.com <laughs> gazata.com so gazata.com is what they call it a peer-to-peer or otherwise known as a person-to-person online learning platform it's actually big in the US, Europe, in UK. So unfortunately, South Africa still lags behind in terms of fintech. So what the platform does, it connects individuals who need credit with individuals or institutions that are willing to lend out their funds as an investment in personal loans. Yeah. So for, the, for example, let's say you've got an extra 5,000 rands in your pocket. It's sitting in your 32-day notice account. It's earning you 4% on average per annum as interest income. But if you use, if you take the same money and you lend it through gazata.com to other borrowers, you could potentially earn up to 22.5% interest income per annum. So what we do as gazata.com, we do exactly what the bank does. If someone wants to apply for a loan, we do all the background checks, uh, credit checks, affordability assessments. Um, we do the credit scoring and everything. So... Once a person qualifies for a loan or is good for a loan, we then list them onto our platform. And then you as a lender that's got that extra 5,000 rand to lend around, you go onto our platform, you register as a lender, you then scroll on which borrower fits your appetite that you want to lend your money out to. And then you know that that guy is already pre-vetted. Um, we mitigate the default rates. We only do direct uh, debit order collections from mm -hmm. the borrower's commercial bank account 
or in other instances where possible, we do a payroll deduction from the borrower. So your 5,000 rand is sort of in a comfort space. Mm, yeah. mm. Now, from a sort of, <clears throat> um, I think from a sort of trust perspective, right? I mean, if, some, if I'm putting the money in, you know, as a peer, is this okay? Maybe let's start here. Is this open to any individual who's got excess funds? And if it, I do have, you know, these excess funds lying around, what are the terms of engagement? Yeah, it's open to anyone that's got these excess funds. Um, you just need to go onto our platform, register as a lender. Obviously, there's some regulation that we need to abide by. We do what we call a KYC. So we do some background checks. We obviously FICA documents, your proof of residence. Um, we do what we call also an anti-money laundering background check to see if your funds are not from illegal sources and all of that. And then you could to lend to any borrower yeah. that's on our platform. Yeah. And then, I mean, in terms, of the, in, in terms of the individuals that you are sort of supporting, are they in any sector? Um, is it businesses in any sector? Is it sector specific in terms of um, the peer-to-peer -peer support or is it just open to anyone who's eligible to access and support? Yeah, it's it's open to anyone that can, number one, at this stage we're only focusing on personal loans. Okay. We're going to be adding business loans as uh, we yeah, go along at yeah, a later stage. Yeah. At this stage it's just personal loans, so the pretty much the qualifying criteria is you should be permanently employed and obviously you should be able to afford the loan. And you should have some sort of a good credit record. We're not saying every person can just apply and get a loan. You should have some sort of a good credit uh, track record, but we are not as strict as the bank or other traditional um, institutions. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, you know, because I, I was doing some, um, I mean, some research, you know, on you and what you're working on now. And um, I saw that I think what you're doing now is, 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 is it has some minor linkages to um, Zaka.co. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Oh, Zaka.co is also a company I founded in 2019, mm -hmm. which is purely a, a micro lending business. But we did it slightly different. What we do there is that we partner with uh, employers so that we become sort of like the preferred financial service provider for blue collar employees. Now, these are the guys that normally cannot get a loan from a traditional credit provider or a bank. These are the guys that normally fall prey to what we call Aboma Shonisa in yeah, South Africa. Yeah, yeah. So if we partner with their employers to say, hey, save your employees from, from Aboma Shonisa, because that causes a dead spiral. You know, that causes the employees to be disgruntled, you know, after payday has got nothing, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So we're trying to service that niche market. So we are saying to the employer, save your employees from this unscrupulous uh, micro, uh, unregistered micro lenders, and we become the preferred financial service provider. And then in that instance, we offer three products in zaka.com. The first product, we encourage these blue-collar employees to start saving. And then that save amount, we want to, we do it out of payroll deduction. So because now we've got the employer on board, mm. so let's say you are Bulelane, you want to save 200 rand every month. It's difficult for you to save 200 every month where you're earning maybe 5,000 rand yeah. monthly. So rather have that 200 rand deducted off payroll and it will go directly to your investment account with your bank, mm. either a two-day notice or long-term investment account. So you don't see the 200. So yeah. straight from payroll, yeah. straight yeah. to your savings. Yeah. 
So that encourages the savings habit. And secondly, what we do for these employees, we give them free financial literacy mm. to improve their financial confidence. You know, simple things, Ekasi, like how to draw up a monthly household budget. Yeah. You know, it's something that we grew up not being taught anywhere. How to save on bank charges, not to withdraw funds from an ATM that's besides your bank's ATM because that it's more cost. You know, some people don't know that. So there's a type of financial literacy that we give out for free to these block collar uh, employees. And then obviously, lastly, we also give them access to credit mm. to say, if you need credit, you can come to Zaka.co and get that credit and avoid this expensive credit that's out there. Now, now, I think what you sort of, what you've built here is something totally brilliant, right? Because I think what it does, it, it loosens up and opens up it breaks rather it breaks down the barriers to accessing support, financial support, which is a which is a beautiful thing. But I mean, in sort of latching onto that, how did you raise capital in starting your various ventures? Hey man, you t- <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough one because I had to sacrifice. I remember when I started the Zaka.co, I had to sell some of my personal assets just to get going. Um, and obviously the support from family members yeah. and and uh, some friends you you start small and as this thing grows and then you start looking around for extra funding you start knocking on doors because what's difficult about funding these days is that they ask you what have you done they want to see some sort of track yeah. record yeah. it's very difficult to find funding from an idea stage yeah mm-hmm. now now i think you sort of touch on something there you i mean you had to get rid of some of your personal assets how yeah. important is that how important is delaying the gratification and I guess sacrifice when you're starting a business or rather starting running and growing your business. I mean, it's very important because if you don't believe in your own business, no one else is going to believe in it. Yeah. So you have to believe in your own dream and your own business as much as you are able to let go of your own house. You need to get to that stage where you know, I can lose my house, but I know in a couple of years time, I can buy another one or something like that. So you have to have that belief in your business. Because if you don't have that first attachment or belief, no one else is going to find you at the later stage. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, I guess because you're also, because you're playing in the fintech space, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you finding that, you know, being a, being, being a young black entrepreneur adapting in the fintech space? Are the regulations, um, are the re- regulations more accommodative of uh, startup fintechs in this space? And is the environment conducive for exponential growth? I would say in South Africa, regulation at this stage is, is, is not as hard. Obviously, there's still a bit of red tape there and there, but it's possible. It, it's not as stringent as the US market or the UK market. Mm-hmm. And uh, being a black guy in a fintech space is, is, it's somehow still a bit difficult because the doors that we knock at to require this assistance might be funding, might be support, might be everything. Um, most of the time, people that we speak to don't really grasp the concept from day one, you know. And you need you need to come back the second time and the third time and explain it. No, mama, mata man, yas lento le sevens aso, ipreso aso So there's still that uh, resistance because it's something new, it's something that's never been done. 
it's something out of out of the South African norm, if you if I may call it that way. So it 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 takes a bit longer to get the financial assistance or support that we we need. And I mean, you know, as compared to traditional means of accessing, you know, um, short-term, long-term loans where you go to the bank, you know, or you go to the loan shark, you know, with copious documents. Now, I simply go to gazata.com. Do you find that there's better adoption from people because it's got a tech element and I can just purely access the platform from anywhere and upload documents or is this do you still find that there's a bit of education that still needs to be done yeah there's still a bit of education that needs to be done and then in my view is that because there's so many online scams at this stage that involve investments so anything that's new onto the market that involves you investing your money through an online platform uh, people tend to you know uh, yeah, by yeah, or yeah. Home and maybe or maybe not you know so but I think once you, you you've done it or your friend has gone through the platform word of mouth easily spreads we didn't know this is a legit business and I must just add on gazata.com we don't keep any of the lenders money in our accounts so it's between the lender and the borrower we just provide the technology you don't put any money in our accounts um, once there's an agreement between you and the lender, you transfer the money to the borrower directly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sure. Just to avoid that thing, you go to, hey, I've put my money into Gazata.com's mm. account and this guy's no longer paying me back and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you guys just play the role of an aggregate. An aggregator, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, just tell me, Ito, I mean, in all these years, Jared, you've done very well um, and, ex- and achieved a success in various businesses that you've run. Was there a moment where you sat back and like, justice, I just wasted money? <laughs> Whether it was you spoiling yourself or you're out wherever overseas or on holiday and you're at the club or whatever. And you're like, Shah, two million gone. And Amen. then you sit back, you're like, yo, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I think I wouldn't say wasted money, but I, I would say spent, I would have spent it differently. Yeah. Um, one of the major things that I regret is is investing everything that I have in one business. Yeah. Because I believed it in in it so much that I'll put everything in that one business. Um, the 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 wiser me right now would have said, okay, maybe put sixty percent of it, forty percent diversify it somewhere or channel it it somewhere. Mm. Just put it for rainy day mm. or diversification in case COVID and the food industry does yeah, not you know yeah, at yeah. least you've got a cushion yana somewhere so i think uh, yeah I, w- I would do that now differently not yeah. put everything just in under one basket yeah just yeah, yeah ideally just diversify, diversify and, I, and i think it's something yeah. that i also have gotten to learn um yeah. through COVID, and i think just also pre-covid because i think one sort of and it's easy when you've got a winning horse or something that seems like yeah, a winning yeah. horse right yeah, to yeah. say let me put everything behind it but now you don't also then think risk you, you don't, you don't, you because know. this thing is going so well. So you are focused on it. Yeah. I'm pushing this thing. I'm growing this thing. Um, you're getting all the interviews. You're getting people praising you. Yeah. So you, you forget or check a mama side thing, the blind spots, you know, because you're looking ahead. Now change a delay. Now I check a blind spot. You just focus on this mm. one lane, you know. So 
yeah, the wiser me right now is that before you move on, check a check my site. What does K53 say? <laughs> <laughs> look right, look left, look left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that's, yeah, yeah. Now that's very true because I think yeah. what you speak to is, you know, the basics of entrepreneurship. And yeah. I think sometimes the human element comes into the picture where you win and you feel like I'm always going to be winning. But being able to diversify sort of talks to, yeah. yes, you're always going to be winning, but right now you're planning for the worst times. But now tell me, right, entrepreneurship in and itself is very difficult. You know, there's there's the rejection element, there's the knocking, you know, making a, a hundred calls only to get, you know, two callbacks or comebacks and maybe one meeting out of a hundred or two hundred. Yeah. How do you deal with rejection? Right. And then on the back of that, what was your lowest moment in business? Amen. Or one of. Yeah. Um, rejection will always be there. And uh, I think if, 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 if you believe in what you're doing so much, rejection, getting that rejection phone call or that email, um, you know, it, it comes and goes within yeah. a day because you, you know that you have a winning horse. You can always do it the next day. You can always send another email the next day. You can always have another phone call the next day until you find the right person that will believe in you. And coming to your second question, my lowest moment uh, ever, I remember when I lost my first business way back, I think in 2010, I had a restaurant in um, in Pretoria. Um, so we had a loan from a bank. So obviously the bank wanted their money back. Mm. So they came to my house to attach whatever they could find. Um, I remember that day sitting there and they taken everything that I owned, all the furniture, man. Um, because I still had the thing inside me that I can still do it again and I'm going to do it better and bigger the next time. That When that instinct kicked in, I actually helped those guys to move out the furniture. Sure. But <laughs> <laughs> parties and putting yeah, it in yeah, the truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. something in me said, you can take everything that I own right now, mm. but watch me now. Mm. You know, that, that self-drive that just kicks in in you. Yeah. And I mean, I think just on that, so what has kept you inspired, right? Um, what, what has kept you in the game? I think so, uh, very, uh, different people have said different things, right? Some yeah. have said, well, I've got a morning routine. Yeah. That, I, that that keeps me aligned. Some have said, well, I've got an afternoon regime. They, they, yeah. There's certain mantras or quotas that, I, yeah. that, that, that keep me in the game. What has kept you in the game and what has kept you inspired? Yeah, man, I would say my mother, man. Um, you know, every time when we go back to that tiny township, when I go back and you look around and you sit with the elders and you're thinking, hey, you know, they've been here for many, many years. And the only way for them to live a better life is through me. If I don't come through for them, no one else will, mm. you know. Mm. And obviously now, yeah, yeah. Um, they're still. I'm likely to still have a grandparents are still alive. So when I look at that environment, I I I, I feel that burden to say it's up to me to make this environment better for everyone. Now being, because I'm very familiar with them by Lentley. Yeah, I remember yes, yes. years ago, I did some <laughs> work with a client there and and we've had we've had that relationship, you know. But Lentley is a small town, you know, in Balentle, Secunda, yes, Kimros, yes, yes, yes. the sorts, it's a small town, right? 
So you're another small town um, gent coming into this big city, doing these big things. How do you deal with imposter syndrome? You know, you've sat with some super powerful and amazing people and you are that person for a lot of us and a lot of other entrepreneurs, right? This iconic individual, right? Who's really charted their own um, journey and path. But how do you deal with the imposter syndrome? You know? Do you get into some rooms and feel like, yes, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> most, most of the time, definitely. <laughs> definitely most of the time, you know. Um, I remember one one weekend, actually, when you speak about that, that weekend I was in Berlin, obviously chilling with my friends, you know, kumnanding, mm. sekasi, chilled. Monday morning, I'm sitting in a boardroom in Sentin. And I'm thinking, yeah, Mara Izolo. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and now yeah. I'm sitting with these big oaks and pretending as if, you know, uh, I'm the guy. Yeah. You know, um, and... It, it 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 showed me that black entrepreneurs we are so versatile mm. and that versatility mm. is our competitive advantage mm. i like that i can sit I like a in half scope i like that the following day i can be sitting in sentin in a boardroom mm. other races cannot do that it's only us black entrepreneurs that are so versatile that we are able to survive in any situation. You know, mm. downstairs, fix up my tie. When I walk upstairs in that boardroom, I'm a total different person. Mm. But when mm. I drive back to a kaslaming in Abantu, that's it. So that is a competitive advantage for us black entrepreneurs. Sure. I mean, I, I yeah. Well, I, I really, I really love what you're speaking to right now because I think for me, it's, it talks to the constant conversation and around when is the right time to start. You know, how should I even start? And now maybe I'll pose this to you. You know, I, you get a lot of entrepreneurs or aspirant startups rather, and aspirant entrepreneurs saying, "I'm not going to start because." I need funding. And I think yeah. you've gotten this yeah. question many, many times, right? But it seems to be a consistent theme. What are your thoughts around that? And for someone who's listening to this, right, who's thinking about going into the fintech space, who's just thinking about starting anything, yeah. what advice would you give that individual? Because we all agree funding is a problem. <clears throat> yeah. So you cannot delay your dreams or you cannot delay starting that business purely because of a lack of funding. You need, number one, I would say you need to put your idea on paper. That works every time for me. You put your idea on paper and in, that paper must look good. It must have colors. It, yeah. You know, it must just look good. And then once you have that idea on paper, you show it to someone that's got that funding that you require. It might not be the amount that you need, but at least something that will get you to the next step. The next step will be maybe coming up with your uh, with your website, corporate identity and mm -hmm. all of that. Because mm -hmm. the guys that are sitting in boardrooms are going to check out whether you've got a website, whether your email signature is proper enough, whether you're not using a Gmail email yeah, address, yeah, account, yeah, but yeah, yeah. construction, mm. you know, you need to get that corporate identity correct before you can speak to the bigger guys that you need funding. And lasers in Tezngane don't really require much money. You know, the paperwork, as long as you've got access to a laptop, as long as you've got access to maybe Wi-Fi or data, you can start putting together. There's lots of free templates out there on the net. 
uh, company profiles. You can download a free template, changing a, change it around, mm. make it look nice, make it, you design your own logos, there's free websites out there. So getting that corporate identity correct, I th- I, I'd say that's the first step, and then move on to the funding part of it. Yeah. Yep. Now, you know, teams and teams become an integral part of growing um, any business, but it becomes difficult for a lot of us as individuals, right, um, in aligning the right teams, right? Maybe just give me an idea, just off the bat. Uh, what 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 sort of thought process do you take in bringing someone on as someone who's going to be a team member, you know? Uh, first mistake that we as um, entrepreneurs do is that we believe we're going to bringing a friend as a team member is the best is <laughs> <laughs> the best decision yeah. because we out here Michalana everything he understands. Mm. Which which it's not entirely correct most of the time. But what you need to look for is you need to look for someone that shares the same vision as you. If that person understands the vision, understands the bigger goal and is willing to put the same amount of energy and time onto it as much as you you will then that's the right team member that you can start with. But don't bring in a team member just because the Aotearco or just because it's got the money. Because sometimes having just the money is not really the right business partner for you. Mm. You need to f- find someone that understands the vision. Because if you bring in someone that just has the money, every day Uzo He's not going to um, how do we grow this business? How do we diversify this business? His focus will only be money. So you just need to find someone that understands the vision. So if you were sitting, and I'm sure maybe this is a thought that has probably come, but if you if you are sitting, if you were sitting with yourself in an intervened conversation with the younger Idu, what yeah. would you tell him to be better at? Or to be stronger in. I know I would have told me, just be more confident. <laughs> <laughs> the younger me, um, I would say, I mean, diversify at the earlier stage. You know, because when you look back now, there were moments where you had the money. Mm. You know, there was extra cash somewhere yeah. stashed up. Why didn't I use that extra cash to diversify? Why didn't I use that extra cash to buy more property? Why didn't I use that extra cash to invest in other businesses? Mm. You know, uh, I believe I could have been in a far better position if I had diversified at the earlier stage. Yeah. But again, as us as entrepreneurs, we 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 really tend to focus on on on, on multiple things because you believe in this one dream of yours. You mm. want to chase this one dream. And then once you start making money, it's very difficult to look sideways, as, as I was saying. Yeah. 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 Now, Itu, just give me, so, sorry. Now, Itu, just give me an, an idea, right? Um, here you are, you've had these low moments. What was your high? Did you ever get a moment where you're like, I see now, I'm of a mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the man. Um. Well, like a good feeling. Like a good feeling. Uh, th- th- there's been a number of those, but I wouldn't say I'm the man, but I would say there are feelings of I'm privileged yeah. to be in this position. Mm. And one of those positions is traveling abroad, man. Um, mm. Mm. Um, this one um, area that always comes up to mind is when I went to Jamaica. Um, I went to Bob Marley's house. Oh, wow. 
you know, walking around inside where Bob Marley used to live, walking around inside that house is like, hey, man, how many black young guys mm. that have worked in this house? You know, so for me, it was there at that moment. Sure. Yeah. Now, top two, three, five people that inspire you? Or who are you? Do you believe in mentors, by the way? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. yes, I do. Um, it's just difficult to get them to assist you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you look up to them on TV yeah, and yeah. everything, but it's very difficult. Yeah, but I do believe in mentor. And as I do believe that I would have been in a better position should I had a mentor from when I was starting out. Yeah. 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 Sure. And then, I mean, just from, uh, so what then do we have in store from Gazata in the next couple of years? Yeah, man, gazata.com is is promising. It's definitely promising. And we are speaking to international investors. Uh, Luckily, those are the guys that understand the business model. Lana Ekaya is still a touch and go because they don't really understand the, the, the model or the technology behind it. I'm still yet to, to, to meet someone that says, hey, Itu, let's sit down. Okay, I understand where you're going. Uh, what assistance do you need? But luckily, at this stage, there's many US and UK investors that are looking to invest in emerging markets in Africa. So we're getting a lot of attention from those guys. Um, and then we believe we can disrupt the credit lending industry because, yeah. in fact, it's cheaper getting a loan through Kazata.com than going to a bank. Oh, wow. Yeah. And people wouldn't believe that until we show them how the models work. Because if you get a loan from ikazata.com, the maximum interest you can pay is 22.5%. If you go online today to apply for a loan online, let's say from a bank or traditional institution, on average, you'll be paying about 25.75%. Sure. average. Ladies and gentlemen, Kazata.com <laughs> is where you need to be. So, Ituman, in wrapping up, yep. um, what are your final words? Um, to Because mostly most of the individuals that listen to these podcasts, uh, township-based yep. businesses, formal and informal sector, small businesses, and startups. Yep. Uh, what advice would you have to these amazing young gents and ladies? I would say we as black entrepreneurs in the township, we've got a big competitive advantage that we need to use to our benefit. I'll give you an example again for Mkazata.com. is a community-based platform. So what it means is Amatama way to they are sitting with money in their Stockfell accounts. Ne? Mm. Over the years, they've put money aside. Now, here's Itumeleng that just graduated. I've got my degree. I've got my new job. I now want to buy my first car. Why do I need to go to a bank while Ngaya Kutamalam in a scheme circuit to say, loan me 160000 yeah. to get my first car? Yeah. So that's a competitive advantage that we have as black entrepreneurs is that we've got this social group, Emma Lokshin way mm. too, that we can take advantage of. Mm. So platforms like Gazata.com tends to digitize or makes that uh, relationship work, you know, because the same Stockfell members can go through kazata.com, register as lenders and start lending to these guys that just graduated. He needs his first car. The bank is not going to give them the finance because credit 
score is not as great because it just started out. So why not get the community to fund you for that first car? So that's the competitive advantage in Kulmangaguti. We've got these dynamics that we can use to our advantage to make businesses that solve our problems. Then we don't have to rely on these other corporates. And these other corporates can never get that data because they're not the emalokshin. So like, um, for example, that credit decision-making data, big corporates uses AMA credit bureaus to give you a credit score. But we use that interaction, that face-to-face. -face. He's a hustler, mm. he lives down the road. The mm. you know, he's always mm. made some money. totally different matrix. Total different matrix. So we can make a credit decision um, uh, um, data out of that. You know? Your neighbor can vouch for you through gazata.com to say, you know, I'm even willing to put my own 1,000 rand onto the platform to support Ubulalan. Then you are using total different matrix data sets to make the credit decision. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, Itumeleng disrupting the fintech space. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you. That's it for today. If you like that podcast, show us some love and share it with your network. Once again, follow us on all of our social media platforms, hashtag join us for tea, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Shout out to Joe Public for making this possible. Remember, Sisonke Rikaufela and Foster Njengom Zegezege.